Welcome to Season 4 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the leaders' conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? Well, this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you don't never miss an episode. and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at University of Southern Maine. And we are super excited once again to have Dr. Kathy Guthrie on the show with us. Welcome again, Kathy. Thank you for having me. So we decided to do what we're calling a kind of like a book and uh bookend end to our uh, season four here. So we had Kathy on at the beginning of our season four here, if you all remember, and Kathy and I were both, uh, she uh, had taught for several years, of course, in their, um, and she's going to correct me, in their um, graduate program there for, for student affairs. And uh, what's the exact title of, of the program and the, and the name of the course, Kathy? Help me out. Yes. <laughs> well, it is just higher education program at Florida State, which has been around since the 60s. It's one of the oldest. I have to say this. It's one of the oldest in the country, in the Southeast, uh, Florida State. Yep. And it's a required pro it's a required course in the program. Right. That's right. And so when when we were uh, and by we I mean faculty at University of Southern Maine, we were exploring this idea of what would a graduate certificate look like for preparing leadership educators because there's really not a graduate certificate like that. While there are programs that are doing this really, really well, like yours, Kathy, um, and I know that there's some others at some other universities where there are dedicated courses or some teaching assistantship programs and, and pedagogy, communities of practice and things of that nature, there wasn't really a, a full-fledged graduate certificate. And I remember being the Leadership Educators Institute. One was uh, Trisha Tiges on her dissertation, and the other was uh, Allison Dunn had done some work, uh, I believe, for her dissertation as well. And they both had uh, put some significant time into getting some feedback from individuals that had completed graduate programs uh, that felt, you know, one way or the other, but really uh, looking at their experiences of how prepared was I to go into this field of leadership education and uh, what was some of the coursework, some of the the professionalized or structured experiences that I had available to me or that they had available to them when they were in their graduate programs. And so um, I knew that you had taught taught this course. I don't remember how I knew. Maybe it was just from our conversations when we were writing our book together or something of that nature and, and really wanted to kind of pick it apart um, and then to reflect back or to, you know, backpedal to the conversation we had, I believe in January, one of the big differences between the course that you teach and the course that, that I have taught or that I taught for the first time this semester was that since our students, uh, these were all graduate students in either my, our master's program or our doctoral program, and they had already had leadership theory and they'd already had uh, and or also have had group dynamics organizational development courses. And so we didn't have to spend time on leadership theory, where I know that's about 50% of your course, right, Kathy? Yes, yeah. it is. And really, this course came about just, you know, kind of reminding and yeah, yeah. You know, having a framework from this is that it the NASPA and ACPA, which are the two leading student affairs associations, have competencies for student affairs professionals. And leadership has been one of those competencies that is believed that all student affairs professionals should have. And so that was how it became a required course. And starting in, in this 
with this course, we needed to have some baseline so that students had a working knowledge of that. And so the first half is really talking about theory. And so we do go through the theories and then also talk about what is the most commonly used frameworks that are um, that you see in higher education, specifically in student affairs, right? The social change model, the leader identity development model, the five practices. So those we really discuss. And so that there is a kind of a common language. So yes, the first half is really about theory. And then the second half, half is about how do you be, how do you, how are you an educator, a leadership mm -hmm. educator? That's interesting. I didn't, I don't think I picked up on that uh, when we had the conversation earlier. Well, you know, students are coming in, as I mentioned, with a good knowledge from having graduate coursework in leadership theory. We are, we do not spend some time. However, there are some readings that basically are like, hey, familiarize yourself with social change model, relational leadership model, you know, Kuzis and Posner, five practices, what have you. Um, and in the, uh, and this is something I definitely want to talk about with you in the teaching demo assignment, one of the things that, uh, and, and I will say that this is one of the classes that I had to model and implement scaffolding more than I think I do in any other class except our graduate research methods class because they're they're building you know in the graduate research methods class they're building the proposal for their master's thesis so you, you there's I don't know how the, any other way to teach that except scaffolding and drafts and peer feedback and you're you know you're you're stepwise piecemeal getting them to to understanding what a research proposal looks like but with this the the end goal was that they're we're going to facilitate a teaching demonstration with their peers on a topic of choice and that that topic of choice would be part of a larger project, which I pretty much just kind of borrowed, stole, whatever you want to call it from, <laughs> from you, Kathy, um, that they would put together some type of comprehensive program or academic course on a topic of their uh, of their choosing that would have particular elements of it of you know what would a schedule look like, uh, what are the course objectives and, and learning outcomes and I love some of the things that y'all have shared, especially because in my 10 years as a student affairs administrator, those were the things that I was looking for. So mm -hmm. I was self-taught in a lot of those areas. So I, I, for example, the first student affairs, the first student affairs position I had, we didn't have any theory. We just kind of did what we'd always done. And then I moved into a director role and it was social change, Kuz and Posner and, and strengths-based initiatives. And I had some familiarity, but I hadn't done some deep reading into that. So knowing that there's a, a, a bunch of leadership educators now who don't have to teach themselves, have an opportunity to reflect and dissect it with someone who's an expert is going to be so meaningful moving forward. But all of those elements will show up in their day-to-day -day practice, whether or not they're running a leadership office or running housing or, you know, academic affairs anywhere. Oh, and I appreciate that. Yes. And, and that, um, I had the same experience, right? I, in my undergraduate and Dan and I have talked about this, about how mm -hmm. we come to this work so differently. And so since I was a student affairs practitioner for so many years, but I did have a minor in leadership ethics and values. That was my minor in my undergraduate. And so I had some of that baseline theory work, but then my first position actually out of undergrad, I was actually put into a student affairs position at a small private institution where I did multiple things. And one of that was leadership. And so I was like, oh, I never thought about how I teach leadership. And so I just jumped in and did it. And so I, I'm very intentional about thinking not only in different aspects, like my first position, I did student activities. I was in charge of commuter services, which I had never been a commuter student. So how am I supposed to 
do that, but that is real in student affairs. And so how do I pair leadership and layer that and do it in a way now I look back and I, I know that I did it all wrong, but how am I making sure that the students that are in the class can think about that, right? Can think intentionally about, okay, so I don't have leadership educator as my title, but how do I identify as such, especially when we go back to mission statements of higher education, we go back to the purpose of higher education in thinking about development of leaders. And so I know that is one of the big differences in context, Dan, with your class is that I have a very specific group, even though they're functionaries, they're all over, mm -hmm. they are doing, you know, they're advising in academic departments to housing to, you know, they're all over, but it all is within that context of higher education where I know your students, Dan, we're all, I was, when I came to your class, That's I was right. That's right. So Thank you again for doing that. Was like, wow, that is so incredible mm. that you have like a paramedic, you have you right. know, these different contexts. Yeah, these students all over the place from, from higher ed contexts to international training and development. You know, I mean, the, some of the students, and there were a few that you didn't get to meet that, that just weren't able to make it that night that are, you know, doing things, you know, I think about some of the teaching demonstrations that we had. We had, we had everything from, we have the director of our trio programs that was a student in my class. And so she was putting together a workshop for, for trio students. And then some students were like, hey, I'm just going to do one on like gender and leadership. And, and others wanted to do things. Uh, I mean, the, actually our paramedic student, he ended up doing a, he had me zoom into a, a paramedic uh, EMT class that was being taught at the community college. So I actually got to sit in on that class and they talked about what does it mean to be a leader at an emergency response? And I was like, this is so cool being a fly on the wall. I'm like, I don't have much to contribute here, but there's so, and some of the things that came out were things like communication and, you know, trust. And I'm like, this is like any other context, but, but so interesting to just be able to interact with some of those students. And so it was, it was great to, you know, going back to your, to your comment about the theories, and I may have to, to borrow that to, to give students, uh, and I'm talking about like the student development theories and some of those that are most widely taught, although, although I, and I'm like, now I'm kind of processing out loud. I wonder, because some of the students are not going into higher education context, like you, like you mentioned, and that's not the goal of the program is how important is it to um, to integrate those into this course or to just say, hey, you know, these resources are familiar because one of the things we asked them to do in this final project, this final leadership education project that we were talking about a few minutes ago is to include some justification for like the rationale of like, hey, I'm using by practices and here's why, or we're going to use StrengthsFinder and here's why, you know, and to just like, I've just hammered into them intent and being intentional and, and practicing intentionality and how that invisible architecture of the connection between your frameworks and your learning goals and your format and your pedagogy like if you're not thinking about that you know you're you're missing a huge part of 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 pedagogy and of design and i know that one of the books that i use that um that you uh, that you don't is the the finks uh creating significant learning experiences and so they're getting some of that background too, which is basically curriculum design, you know, integrative course design. And so they're, they're getting that piece. Um, and so that's where I've had to implement that like hyper, uh, what I've written down in my notes here is like scaffolding on steroids, where it's like, we're going to do a draft of your teaching philosophy of your leadership educator philosophy. And then you're going to review your peers and then we're going to do it again. And, you know, or they're going to 
start working on their learning goals for their teaching demo because they're going to be doing a real teaching demo later in the class. And so like everything was, I had them audit or assess or critique, I guess critique would be the best word, uh, a couple of pages from an instructor's guide. In fact, they used our book a couple of times, Kathy, for the, uh, what do we call that one? Uh, instructional and assessment strategies for transforming learning. Oh gosh. I can't remember the name Is of it the big workbook? Darn book. The, the, <laughs> you have to edit this out. What the heck is the name? No, I, I got you, it. It's transforming it? learning instructional and assessment strategies for leadership education. You see Thank where you it is on my on my bookshelf. Students uh, love that, by the way, Kathy. So that was one of the ones they went back to. That the instructor's guide for exploring leadership. And I also that, need to plug yeah, this. Do the it. thinking to transform. It's the facilitating reflection and leadership learning. That's and this has yes. all around reflection and meaning making. And this is Yes, a ton of instructional components. It came out right before the pandemic. So I don't think it's out there as much because mm -hmm. it's, but I think this is a great as well. Yeah. We got to put that one in the show notes. Yeah. So they were, so they were looking at, let's see, those uh, leadership for a better world has a nice instructor's guide that has a PDF. The, yeah, I said exploring leadership. Uh, I think there was one or two more that, that I threw into like a Google drive that I had saved for years and they really appreciated being able to go in and have those resources. Some of the students used some of the activities from some of those resources in their teaching demos, which they just love to be able to, because part of their requirements were putting together something, something like that. Um, I think that was, well, that was one of the things that students said they enjoyed the most. What was the experience for you with, with and I'll just say one other thing before, before I um, want to hear some of those reactions from, from you and your and what you observed your students saying, um, Kathy. But so I taught the course fully asynchronously. The only thing we did synchronously was the teaching demonstrations. And I know you you approached the, the course differently. Although um, we'll talk about this later. Students really do want to see this class synchronously. It sounds like going forward. Yeah, you know this course has actually always been face to face once a week for over three hours, right? And that's a traditional kind of in the program. And so this year though, it was remote, but we were all synchronous. So for three hours we were on zoom, which, you know, that can be challenging. We know that. And so, you know, it didn't always end up being a full three hours, but there was a lot of movement. So we did have guest speakers. We had breakout rooms where they're talking in groups. And, you know, we had one where it was like, find assessments, just go out there and find what assessments are being used and then think about, are they valid? Would you use them? Why? What questions do you have? And of course, they come back with just incredible variety and it demonstrates what you can find just on the internet, but also like, hmm, there's some questionable assessments out there. So having those hands-on, I will say that during the first part of the course, students do teach a leadership theory. So all of them have to read it, but then they, and I don't say teach, I say facilitate conversation about how does that leadership theory apply to not only what you're doing in higher education and student affairs, but in your personal life. And so they were able to practice the teaching aspect in different ways. Cause I said, no one wants to hear you talk and regurgitate what is in the book, make sure that it's applicable, that it's fun and really get in, you know, your creative hat on with those instructional strategies. And so they were even testing them out before they really knew what that looked like, which I think there's value in that as well, right. And understanding, I would say, um, and Dan, you had mentioned this, but about philosophy statements, 
I wouldn't say that. I think that this is an important part because we talk about identity so much as we should be, but how is your identity as a leadership educator, how does it connect? Because actually their first course in the in the program is an introduction to student affairs where they write a philosophy statement of how they are as a student affairs professional. And so then this connects, say, go back to that, to that first class you had. I don't, I don't teach it, but go back. What does your philosophy statement, how does that connect to your philosophy of leadership, which that's their first philosophy statement, because we don't have them really talk about that, but what is your philosophy of leadership? Where does that come from? Really getting them to make meaning from their past experiences, their identity, and how does that in incorporate it into leadership? And then the second half of the class, it's, okay, now, what is your philosophy of being a leadership educator? And trying to have them you know, evolve into even identifying as a leadership educator. And so, and understanding that we're all on this journey, we all think about it a little differently and how does that, how does that work? And so, but I think the philosophy statements it's a small part of the class, but it's powerful because it gives a common language that then we can talk about that then connects back to the NASPA and ACPA competencies and kind of builds upon that philosophy statement that they do in the first course. Because it says, and what are the tenets? What are the values that you had in the student affairs philosophy statement? And go from there. I would also say that final project, like you mentioned, the um, curriculum development, the program a lot of students are using it. I am very, um, I would say I, I'm pushy on this. I'm like, you need to use this. Don't do something and then just let it sit. Do something that you're either able to use and test out in your assistantship that you have at Florida State or in your internship, because a lot of our students will take NODA or Akuhawai internships during the summer. And so they leave Tallahassee and go somewhere and use something that's going to be you know, applicable, that's going to be useful that then you can say, I created this in a course and then I got to use it. And this is how I would revise it because that I think is key is what are you learning from actually applying it? And so I, I'm not sure how many students this year, but in the past we've had 75% of the students use it and actually do it with it before they graduate, which I think is wonderful because talk about, you know, this whole notion of theory to practice to theory to practice, right? Like how are they kind of honing in and really refining those skills. And so that I'm excited. I know that there are several students doing it right now, right? As we're recording this, they're in their internships or in their assistantships, testing out what they developed. And that is really exciting because then it makes me think about how they're even testing out something very intentional and enhance the student learning at the undergraduate level even now when they're doing it for the first time. So yeah. I, I love so much of what you said, especially to, so I primarily teach undergraduate students and the scaffolding, the project-based experiences are all things that if they're more than likely they've already seen. And so now it's kind of less of an introduction to the process and it's more of an introduction and it allows them to just focus on the, the content or the material that they're learning, which I think then reduces some of the anxiety. The other thing is, um, and when y'all read my dissertation, it's right there prominently, 
faculty members can help address some of those criticisms of higher education. And one of the biggest ones is we're not preparing people enough for professional life. So if you can say 75% of my students take this to their job or to their internship experience and apply it, you know, it's more um, not, I'd say validation or justification, but it's more support of the good work that we're doing and how we take preparing them to think critically just as important as we take preparing them to be great professionals in whatever industry. And so I think it, it very much aligns and is a shift from just somebody coming in and just talking to them for an hour, three times a week and lecturing in front of them and telling them to read all of these things and then just talking to them about it. It really, it brings good teaching practice into um, the graduate level of higher education, which I think is cool. Well, and I appreciate that because I actually, um, something part of Dan and I's book was a, this leadership learning framework, right? That talks about knowledge is critical into how are we learning? And then you move into observation, engagement, training, development. And then we have this metacognition in the center of the steering wheel kind of metaphor. Yeah. And we talk about, okay, so yes, the knowledge starts, but then how does that reflect in what you're doing? How are each of those pieces? And not every single one has to be represented, right? Of course, but really getting to think about not only how they're engaging in the work, but then how are they engaging others? And so it's that kind of dual piece of my development as an educator, as a professional and all of that, right? I would say even as a leader, right? Mm -hmm. All, of, all mm -hmm. of that is happening at once. Talk about complexity, right? <laughs> like all of that development is happening, but then how are you also simultaneously making sure that you're developing this intentional work for undergraduate students? And so this whole kind of the flow of that has been really fascinating to watch these multiple processes happening and simultaneously and it's messy and it's yeah. beautiful, right? Like it is, it is so yeah. messy. And especially as we're going through a pandemic and everything else that is occurring, right? Mm -hmm. So not only the health pandemic, but all of the racial injustice and how are we making sure identity is a part of that. And it, the conversations also that I was very proud of this group specifically is saying like, no, we need to go to the root causes. We're not going to put band-aids, but how are we going to get to these root causes and see the oppression that's even happening in higher education? Yes. Mm -hmm. Higher education is an oppressive structure. And how are we breaking that down to really think about the leadership and moving forward? It, it was really powerful and messy and all of that. Um, and, and I think also shows the time we're in the context for them. That's important. But especially when you talk about leadership, right, and the practice of leadership. I definitely hijack to the, that integration of like, so you're writing a leadership educator philosophy statement. It's basically a hybrid of your teaching philosophy and your leadership philosophy, which is something we would do with like undergrads and like an intro to leadership classes. Like, what's your leadership vision statement? Or, you know, have you done that, that work yet? And some students, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you did a minor in leadership, you know, as an undergrad, I had taken one leader, actually it ended up, and we talked about this before, it was the first leadership class they ever offered at Florida State back in like 01, maybe or something like that. But some students are coming in with some background in leadership theory, some are, are not. And so I think doing 
the work in both of those areas is extremely important, even if you're just revisiting it again um, as, as a graduate student. And if a student, uh, particularly graduate students, if they aspire to some type of teaching role to have already gone through the, the work of developing a teaching philosophy statement, that you're, that's time well spent because you're going to need that for sure. If you're applying for a job for a faculty role, um, you might be asked to, to talk about it. You may be asked to put it in your application materials, for example. I know that um, one of the reasons that we've done that is as we are offering for our doctoral students a a track where they can be what we're calling, it's our instructor of record program, because we know how important it is for uh, for doctoral students, if they want to get a teaching job out there, to get a chance to, to teach a course, you know, and so the the progression, and again, this is totally in our pilot phase, but the first step is students take this class, this class that I just taught this, this semester, um, and then in the fall, which will be this upcoming fall, they will be in a community of practice, which is an independent study with one of our new faculty members, Dami Alegbele, who he was in a similar program at Virginia Tech when he was a doc student. I believe Eric Kaufman may have ran that program. And so he's coming fresh out of that and, and remembers what that experience like is like. So he'll run that community of practice. And in addition to just being in that community of practice with these students, they will um, observe one of our full-time faculty teaching an undergraduate class. Um, during that semester, whether it be online or face-to-face -face or what have you. And then the following spring, so it's a three-semester process, they will have the opportunity, hopefully we can place everybody, but they'll have the opportunity to co-teach with a faculty member so that they can be an instructor of record. With It'll be an undergraduate class with a full-time faculty member, and we're able to get them similar compensation like a like what a graduate assistant would get. And so we're, we're, we're just giddy and hopeful that all these pieces and parts work together, but it's a nice progression of giving them the, this experience to do. Um, and hopefully <laughs> I can move some of the coursework or some of the uh, curriculum from my course that I just taught to that community of practice, because um, another consistent feedback other than students saying, wow, we really wish this course could have been synchronous for all the things that you mentioned, Kathy, like having more guest speakers, like we, we had you in. And I'm, again, I'm so grateful for, for that. I wanted to have more guest speakers. We just couldn't find the time because it was a value add. It was trying to get everybody together one more time synchronously in a course that was asynchronous. But doing the teaching demos that you mentioned about having students facilitate teaching a leadership theory, like I think our students would have loved that for sure. And so I think that that's an opportunity. But one of the consistent pieces the feedback was, wow, I've never written and read so much in a course in my life, but what would you cut out? I learned so much, but please reduce the workload next time. But I don't know what I would take out. You know, it was kind of this back and forth, which makes me feel kind of, I mean, it's good. It's rewarding. It's affirming, but also like, had I been a student in that class, I would have felt the same way they didn't were like, wow, I learned a ton, but that was more work than I may have ever done in a graduate level class. So there's gotta be some things that we can move to some of these other experiences. So that's interesting feedback to get, I suppose. <laughs> well, and you said, you mentioned about the instructor of record. And so we have a lot of doc students. And while this course, the course that I taught was strictly master students right. going into student affairs, we have a fairly large number of doc students that are getting their PhD in higher education, but they are focusing on being a leadership educator. And so we have, and, and it, I know it's a nature of a research intensive large public, mm -hmm. but we have a lot of our doc students are hired to and trained to teach. And so they're teaching undergraduate. We have one that's called leadership and change that a lot of students will teach. And, and that is wonderful because they get you know, get to test it out. But what we've also been doing is having them develop courses. So it's not in a, in a class format or a, 
you know, a certificate program, but as part of their role in the um, leadership learning research centers that they need to create a course. What are they interested in creating? Right. And so several of our undergraduate courses have been created by doc students that are, that have experience in the field. And of course we're there to support and that it has to go through all of the rigor and all of that, but it's really incredible. Like Dr. Maritza Torres, she's now at university of central Florida. She did that. She taught, she created Latinx leadership development course, and then she taught it as a doc student. And then she revised it and taught it again. Now coming out of a PhD program saying, I've not only taught leadership and change, and she taught a lot of other courses online and face-to-face, but that I created a course with full-time faculty and then taught it and then revised it and taught it again. And she has taken that course to University of Central Florida, which I love because now it's also spreading that good work, right? It's like, nope, we don't own that at Florida State. That should be everywhere if possible. And she's teaching that course there, which is an HSI. And so that's an incredible opportunity to think about community as a practice and how are we also expanding it beyond the, the classroom, like you're saying, Dan, right? Like the community of practice and that they're getting to do this. And I think it is so powerful because if I came out of my PhD with the opportunity to teach a course, how more marketable, I mean, I think about just more ready I would be to be in the classroom. And so that's exciting for me. I think that's a great point that you make. I have a ton of TAs. And one of the things I ask them when we get started at the beginning of semester is what do you want out of this experience? Like, yeah, you're here to help me take attendance and grade and manage the classroom, but do you want to teach? And do you want to demo lecture? And because I have a large lecture, do you want to do a demo in front of a hundred students? And that's something that you can walk away with that's meaningful. And, and oftentimes I, since the class I teach is a theory class, I'm like, come in and talk about the theory that your work is centered on. So you don't have to recreate anything from the norm, but you're really just focused on your delivery, your classroom management, because I don't know across the board that everybody is thinking about that. And I don't know um, what other experiences they're getting in these other classes, but I just feel like part of their commitment and being involved in our community is not just to be this fly on the wall at the back that has the attendance sheet, but it's really about, you know, what are you all, just like I'm learning and the students learning, what also were you learning about this experience? And I've had two semesters, I even had a student who during the pandemic, he was based in China and he was very nervous about communicating in front of the class. And I'm like, you're here, our community already loves you and knows you. And so you're, you're honestly, you're giving them a little bit of a break from me. So they're at least glad they don't have to hear me, me talk in class, but you know, like try it. And he, and he had shared afterwards, it was one of the more meaningful experiences that they had. So hearing that you had them create classes, like all of these meaningful things that we know they're gonna do as full-time faculty, the sooner we can get them jump started on that with some coaching, I think the better. Such a good conversation. Yeah, no, this is um, just, I'm enjoying, you know, kind of going back through the, walking down the memory lane of, of this course. You know, I think one of the only other things that I know that our, my students experienced that yours, yours didn't, and then I'd love to hear, you know, if, if there's anything maybe this, this semester that, you know, you learn that you maybe think, hey, I might change that or what might I, I enhance next time I teach the course. Um, I know that, you know, similar to the, it's so funny because we go back to some of our like tried and true uh, things that we do in like an intro to leadership class where, um, and I borrowed this from Dan Tillipaw's class that he used to teach at University of Maine at Orno when he was there. Um, but it was interviewing a leadership educator in an aspirational role. But one of the interesting things that we have students 
so often do in an introductory leadership course is go interview a leader, you know, because if you're going to see yourself in that role, you need to go out and have those conversations. And I just want to do some shout outs to some of the folks in our community that were so uh, gracious with their time, including Lauren, uh, who one of my students, uh, one of my students got to interview, um, Dr. Tony Middlebrooks, who's over at um, at Delaware, and Marianne Lawrenson, who's um, at Florida State with, with Kathy, and then um, Darren Ike, who is a man of all trades, uh, he's doing he's doing it all. It does some um, some or, or consulting and other types of leadership education. He actually has he even hosted some virtual leadership educator conversations over the last year that I know some uh, some of my peers uh, participated in, and they found those find those really helpful. So I you know I think I would definitely teach I would read that assignment for sure. One that I think may be something that I only have my doc students do because there were some master students in it, but I think this is where the workload might have pushed some students over the line um, was what I, I had a what I called a symposia assignment where um, all students would select one of the new directions issues. And um, they would uh, facilitate a discussion in the discussion boards over the course of a module um, and kind of integrate it and, and post some questions um, around the content we were talking about that week. You know, if they were doing the um, culturally relevant leadership learning issue or if they were doing the followership issue or what have you, they would not only facilitate their own forum about that, but that would also um, kind of uh, bleed into some of the other discussions that they were having. I think that that while extremely valuable and they're like oh man they basically all said we wish we had more time to really dive into some of these issues and so i think maybe that could be something that i push over to the community of practice um, and have them dive into some of that literature there not that i think it was too advanced by any means for, for the master students i think they loved it i think it just it it added a significant additional you know it added 10 more forums to the total discussion boards for the for the semester um, because each student was facilitating one. And I see your face, Kath, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. And, and I think, and I think it was, and I bet if my students are, are listening to this, I'm like, hey, like I hear you. Um, and you know, your <laughs> your time put in will will hopefully benefit your peers that take it next. You should totally apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And every I give every all the students that got feedback from me on their final reflections was like, yeah, I hear you loud and clear, like too much work. Um, I will, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, actively looking for ways to reduce the workload with this, but I mean, I, well, I don't even want to say, but, and uh, th they did get a lot of value out of it, but I heard them loud and clear that I need to find some ways to, to reduce some work. That's so a really any cool assignment. No, I'm, I'm hearing that because I teach a doctoral level class in mm -hmm. leadership and change. And so I'm thinking, oh, that's an incredible opportunity, like you said, for people to even pick and choose because yeah, that's what they did, the right. New Direction series has such different topic areas mm -hmm. that then they can. That's a that's really incredible. So yeah. yeah, yeah, they love that one. It was literally like I gave them a list of um I think most of them, there were a couple that I used in other places in the course. So I said, well, let's not rehash this. But um, I think they were able to choose from like 18 or 20 of them over the last five years. And, you know, I would say, hey, if we're going to do this one, do it in this particular week. You know, I kind of aligned the content and um, they really liked that because then they, they had an opportunity to facilitate that discussion in the discussion boards. And so, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I don't know what else I would, I would get rid of. I mean, I, but I, what I would add would be synchronous, you know, to go back to that, like students said, we wish this class was synchronous. If, and I would have a blast being able to facilitate um, learning activities on like we use kind of said, like, hey, let's do a, let's do a, 
mock activity on situational leadership or relational leadership model or, or what have you. And not only, I mean, I would get great joy out of that, but also giving the students an opportunity to do even more of that because they loved getting feedback from their teaching demos from their peers and from me, because we were really trying to practice that active, let's give each other feedback, let's reflect. Like we start, you know, if, if Lauren just finished her teaching demo, we'd start with, all right, Lauren, how'd you do? You know, and then there'd be a Google form that everybody would fill out. They would get that feedback. They get feedback from me. They get verbal feedback, written feedback, you know, and so it's really trying to, to practice that, um, th that practice that culture of feedback. So what do you think, Anthony? Anything you would like, hmm, next time I teach this class, maybe well, I'll add this or. I'll be honest. I'm trying to figure out, and this has been something constant is how to give that baseline of theory right in a student affairs context so we do go through a lot of theories and then doing the most widely used in higher education and so trying to have a balance of what theories do they need to know and and even because it feels like it's almost I, I call it theory boot camp because it is a lot of theories in just a few weeks where you know we teach whole undergraduate courses <laughs> with theory and here we're trying to put it into literally like a month and a half, right? Because we're trying to make it. So I'm, I'm still, I'll be honest, you know, I've taught this class, what, five, six years, and I'm still working on how is that the best and which theories makes the most sense to give them that foundational. And then also how do they, they can apply that to student affairs context and higher education context. So that's, um, yeah, I can dream of a full leadership educator course like you get to do, Dan. But honestly, in thinking through that, um, and when, when, and how can I pull in more of John Dugan's work with the critical perspectives? Because I have done that, but then realize they need to have the baseline information to then be critical. And so, yeah, so really constantly thinking about that. I wonder if now that we are thinking kind of more asynchronous, synchronous combined, I'm wondering if there's a way to make those, uh, I hate to say like walkthrough modules, but if it's like, you know, can you incorporate quizzes or my students for as old as they are, they still love Kahoot. And I laugh because my third grader uses Kahoot all of the time. My third grader always wants to play Kahoot. And the minute I hit the little sound in the lobby in my class, my students get so excited. Um, I teach a theory class and you're right, it is hard. And I teach public relations theory. We only have three, but I give them a list of 40. And, and for a couple of discussion boards, it's choose two, don't overlap and explore these and tell me what you like, like about the theory, where you see it happening right now. So if you're following the Kardashians, are you seeing internet contagion theory in the Kardashians? And they like get so excited that they have the choice of what to talk about, that they can jump into the theory. And, but then I also say, tell me what you don't understand. And, and I'm like, this is a, <laughs> they laugh at me. This is a space of love. We are all here to learn. You're you're here to ask these questions. So if you can't ask, like you gotta you gotta figure out some way. Smoke signals. But at, when I say go to pop culture in theory, they jump in there because they don't expect that connection to happen. And so when you say that, my thinking would be like, are, can you borrow some student affairs scenarios and then say, okay, so in this this is why we see these three theories and model it and then have them jump into the next and see where, and let them mess up and let them make mistakes and let them get into groups and talk about it and why. I think that the, once they know they can connect it to their personal, like like you said before, I think that's what gets them um, to feel like that, that sense of belonging that we want, um, as well as when they make a mistake, 
you know, how do you react, but offline we can brainstorm because that's my favorite thing to do. That would be wonderful. Yes. I think that wraps up this episode of our Leadership Educator Podcast. Thank you, Kathy, for coming in. This is our first like bookend episode, and I, I think it was so wonderful, and we appreciate you, and I hope that you enjoy your summer and are you know engaged. I know we're all probably going back to campus in the fall, so we're ready to get back on campus in the fall. Thank you so much. Thank you. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. That's Dr. Underscore Leadership. And uh, Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Mrs. Laura J-B. And you can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. And we also encourage you to subscribe and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd also like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. Support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in New Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and educator. And he's currently an associate professor of trumpet, coordinator of jazz and commercial music, and director of ensembles at Coastal Carolina University. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, thank you to the Association of Leadership Educators. Check out what ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you'll listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts.